Hey, you're listening to the Brutally Delicious Podcast. I am Bruce. I'm Chris. And uh, yeah, so there's that. There is that. And today is a day of technical difficulties. We're running a bit behind, but we're going to go ahead and get Tim Atkinson from Leader of Down on the line. Another band that I know you said you never heard of, but boy, they're pretty good. Yeah, yeah. But just so you know, you can't say like when people are listening to the podcast, they don't they won't know if we're running behind or not. They just know when we release an episode. Oh, yeah, I guess you're right. <laughs> so we're not running behind. Whatever. You don't need to know that. Whatever the case is, this is some really old school, like, British rock and roll. And, I mean, I'm digging it. Yeah, me too. And, and Tim has done a bunch of stuff with me in the past uh, on the show and um, some silly questions I've had him answer. And they've got a really good following, so... Tim, hey, how you doing? Good. Hey. You? Oh, I'll turn my I'll turn my video on. One second here. I don't have I don't have a camera. My bandwidth sucks where I'm at. Sorry. How's it going? <laughs> Good. Finally get to uh, chat in person. I know we've been doing stuff for what about a year now. Yeah, yeah, no, it's been great fun actually. Um, I was just I was just telling Chris, you're always game for any of the stupid things I come up with to try. Oh yeah, no, definitely. Anything, anything, and everything. More than happy. Um, we, we're doing the next uh, cooking uh, film, so we've got a few little treats in store for that one. Awesome. <laughs> so it should be quite fun. <laughs> can, I, you guys, um, uh, can I ask you to turn your mic up a bit? Me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that any better? No. All right, hold on. Let me see. Hang on. Um, 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 um. It's saying it's up full. Um, that, that's better. Yeah, we'll make the best of it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I'll. Um, I can normalize it on this end. It'll be fine. Yeah. Okay. I can call you back on a different machine if you want me to. Is this your phone? No, this is an iPad. Oh, do you have headphones? With the, um, not with the mic? No. Uh, well, I haven't got headphones with a mic. Ah. Um, oh, okay. Do you want me to ring you back on a PC or anything? Nah. No, this is okay. I'll, we'll make it work. Sure? Uh, it'll be okay. fine. So sorry about all the delays. I've had all kinds of technical difficulties this morning. My, I think I had a surge earlier and took out some of my stuff. No, no problem at all. That's absolutely fine. That's that's cool. And he's actually so, technologically incompetent. That's really what's uh, going on. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> so for those not familiar with Leader of Down, I know you've been around for a while, but I mean, I know a lot of people on this side of the pond anyway, not too familiar. How are you? How would you describe it? Can you give me like a two sentence boardroom pitch? Well, um, we're probably a sort of hark back to sort of late 70s, early 80s rock. Um, obviously, we started with Wurzel from Motorhead. Um, it was a band that me and Wurzel from Motorhead started. So there's a little bit of Motorhead sound in certainly the music, not necessarily the vocals. Um, but yeah, so so we, we, we tried originally. The idea was that we're going to be a little bit more like the more melodic Motorhead songs. Um, so that's that's really what we tried to do um, from the outset. I mean, I think that comes across great. That was a perfect pitch because that's kind of what I'm thinking too. Late 70s, early 80s, new wave of British. I don't want to say heavy metal because it's more rock and roll, but that sort of thing for sure. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, 
it's just, you know, you, you sometimes get an era of stuff that you actually like a lot yourself. And, that, you know, it tends to come out in what you what you write and, and, and perform with, you know. Was Wurzel in this it, while he was in Motorhead? Was this when he was out of Motorhead? Oh, no, this was years after he left Motorhead. Gotcha. So, um, Wurzel hadn't really played a lot. He'd done a few things with other people. And Wurzel was a friend of mine. And we started doing these sort of rock school clinics together going through Motorhead songs and mm-hmm. it was going really well. And I said to Wurz, I said, we should do a band. And he said, I've been waiting three months for you to ask me that. I didn't think you'd want to. <laughs> <laughs> so I said, you fool. What cool sort of answer? Because I, I've um, been a Motorhead fan since I was nine years old. Um, yeah. So I'm number 67 in the Motorhead Bangers fan club. So for me to actually work with one of my heroes who, who then became you know, a fantastic friend. Um, of course I wanted to play in a band with Wurzel. Of course. <laughs> yeah. It's funny. You're like trying to work up the nerve. Hey, maybe we should form a band. And he's like, why isn't this guy asking me? It sounds like a, a bad date. <laughs> yeah. That's what, it was like. that's what it was like. And Wurzel was such a great guy. He was so funny. And, you know, so it, it everything would be quite flamboyant in how he said, he'd go, good God, man, I've been waiting months. You know, he was very dramatic. <laughs> So it was quite amusing. <laughs> uh, Bruce? So when you guys are writing, are you guys writing uh, all together, like in the traditional sense, the way a lot of that music was written in the 70s and 80s, or are you using more technology? Um, well, I'll tell you a little bit how we did the first record. Um, the band started with just me and Wurzel. Um, so we used to meet up once a week, um, and we'd sit down and literally come up with stuff. And Wurzel used to bring in a big case of cassette tapes of little riffs he'd put down, some of it when he was in Motorhead, some when he'd left, etc. And we used to listen to them and find and make a list of all the riffs that we liked. Um, and then we'd try, initially anyway, to start formulating them into, into a song, um, which was originally you know, just the music. Um, and we probably got through 50 plus sort of tracks in that way um, before we had any lyrics, before we did any any sort of vocals. Um, and then when we got a drummer in, um, obviously we just formulated the track. So the first one we ever did was Paradise Turned Into Dust, which ended up having Lemmy on vocals. Oh, wow. Um, so the idea with that one, as soon as we'd done it, that was the first one me and Wurzel had ever done. When we'd finished it, before we'd recorded it, you know, we'd just been recording, you know, just us playing through it so we had a structure. He said, you know what, Tim? He said, you know who would be good on this one? I said, who? He said, Lem. He said, let's let me bring Lemmy. And, and then he did, and then Lemmy wanted to do it. But it, unfortunately, years after Wurzel had died, that Lemmy finally was able able to do it. So Wurzel never heard the version with oh, wow. Lemmy on it. What was but it like he, working with him? Was he uh, pretty cool? Well, Lemmy. Yeah. Absolutely fantastic. I mean, it, it was a thing where, you know, Wurzel had spoken to him, he was going to do the track, but then obviously as Lemmy got older, you know, he had various health issues. And of course they were still touring like lunatics right up until the end. So there were only certain periods of time that he could actually, um, he could actually do it. Um, so when he eventually did it, which was um, late 2014, um, it was really quite an emotional thing because we were all in there in uh, Paramount Studios in Hollywood with Cameron Webb, Motorhead's producer, on the desk. Um, 
And it was just like they used to do a lot of the Motorhead songs, whereas I had no idea what it was going to sound like as him because I hadn't heard Lemmy's sort of rough version of it or what the lyrics were. So Words will always used to say the amount of times him and Phil Campbell would present a song and they didn't actually know how the, you know, the melody was going to go until Lemmy had recorded his vocals. <laughs> so it was very <laughs> nice. the first time I heard it. So that was absolutely brilliant. And it, and it was a real um, sort of ending of a period of something that I'd always wanted to honour Wurzel with, um, with Lemmy, you know, singing on that, on that right. track. And the last thing Lemmy said to me that night when he was leaving, I'll have to excuse the poor impersonation, but he said, Tim, um, do you think he'd like it? And I said, I think he'd love it. I think he'd love it. And, it, and it, you know, it was quite a sort of tearful experience. Right. Um, because, you know, Wurzel and Lemmy were so close. They, they you know, they, they were, you know, been in the band for a long time. They, you know, were so close. And, and it was a really lovely thing. And, and, of course, then you find out a few years later how ill Lemmy actually was. Right. I mean, it's an amazing thing. I mean, the man was unbelievable, really. Um, I mean, all, all Motorhead, all members of Motorhead are, you know. We've oh, sure. Phil, Phil's a great friend, and they're all brilliant. You know, they're all fantastic. And for me, becoming friends with, you know, sort of my heroes um, was strange, because they always say, you know, don't make, meet your heroes. But not one of them was anything other than I imagined, and they were all absolutely brilliant and very kind people you know, and caring people, you know, Lemmy would, when we were in the studio, because we went over quite a few times to LA to, to do this, um, and then certain things Lemmy couldn't do it for whatever reason. And we were in the studio on one day when they were recording Aftershock, the Aftershock record, and um, Lemmy was showing me through his um, sketchbooks. And that was, a, a you know, a privilege to, to be shown through just these little doodles and then some lyrics and other things. Right. Now, any other time in my life, that would have been an amazing experience. But of course, I wanted him to go and record the song. <laughs> right. Page, <laughs> and he was looking up to me for, for sort of, um, what do you think of that page? And he, oh yeah, good, good. Yeah, go do your vocals. And then he pulled out the second book. Thought, oh my goodness! And then we went through the same process. Then we had something to eat. Um, and then he said to Cameron Webb, he said, Cameron, yeah, we'll do this track tomorrow with Tim and Steve, our original drummer, and for Wurzel. And Cameron said, we're not in the studio tomorrow, Lem. This is our last day. <laughs> well, that meant we'd lost the window. So it was another eight months before 10 oh, months wow. before oh, man. to do it. Um, so now we got it done. It's, um, it's fantastic. And I had some wonderful experiences in those moments but of course at the time you think just do it let me just do it just do the ah. damn song man <laughs> he was he was but probably no, doing to you what words did like he was showing you the sketchbook what do you think of these lyrics what do you think of these lyrics and you're supposed <laughs> to say that's the one and he would have been like okay <laughs> yeah maybe he was but it was fun when we originally wrote the song um i've told this story a few times in interviews but me and Wurzel used to rent a, uh, a sort of rehearsal space in London um, every Wednesday afternoon. And we'd sit there with our guitars and we'd go through things. And this song was starting to sound really good, but we were having trouble with bits of the chorus. And Wurzel needed to go to the men's room. So he said, I'm just going off. Um, you carry on and I'll be back in five minutes. 
So that's what I did. He went out the room. And you know, um, sometimes in studios, you have like a double door. There's like almost like a little airlock soundproof bit. Yeah. And then you go out some more doors. Well, that's what it was like. So I was carrying on, but must have been 10 minutes. And then I'd come across something I quite liked. And I was just practicing it and doing it. And suddenly the double doors flung open and it was Wurzel. He said, by Jove, my boy, you've got it. <laughs> what happened is he was standing outside the door the whole time, still desperate to go to the men's room, but he hadn't gone. He said, anyway, I've got to go. And he went with off to the men's room. <laughs> and he was busting to go to the toilet before he left. And then he came back. And that's how that little bit came about. And um, it, there's always these little things with words and with me when we were doing stuff. Um, There'd always be these little funny little stories when we were when we were working on things. Um, that ne- at the time they're just what was happening, but now you look back, they were sort of quite pivotal moments, certainly in my life, um, and and certainly in the history of of Leader of Down. So, what's it like in Leader of Down now, carrying on the legacy? It's well, I'm I'm the only sort of original member from those days because we've got a different drummer now. Um, the vocalist we had on the first record is still with us, but obviously we had to, and I, and I don't want to say replace Wurzel because that's impossible, but we had to get someone in who who could really do him justice. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so we have a guy called Alex Ward, who's absolutely superb player on guitar. Um, but with this second album, we've got a second album coming out on Cleopatra Records later in the year. There's still a few um, tracks on there that me and Wurzel had written, um, or certainly Wurzel had involvement with, but he's not actually physically playing. I always wrote the lyrics anyway, so Wurzel didn't like writing lyrics particularly, so the lyrics are are me. Um, So it is quite strange almost continuing on a project that I started some years ago with my great friend Wurzel and always trying to honour him, but without looking like, you know, we're just hanging off his coattails or... It's a Motorhead tribute project because it right. isn't. Yeah. Um, but, you know, he was my friend and this is what me and him started. So there'll always be a little sort of hint to Wurzel on everything we do. Um, but he's not, we've got no actual more, any more recordings of, of Wurzel. Yeah. So is, do you feel like a pressure to kind of deliver or are you just kind of doing exactly what you always did? Um, yeah, there's always pressure, I think, but I think the best way is, you know, as Lemmy used to say, you know, you do something that you like and hopefully other people like it as well. And if they don't sort of too bad, but, you know, I want to, you know, as everybody does make something to the best of your ability and, and the, and the best you can possibly achieve, um, with the first record, because it took so long to do mainly because, Obviously, Lemmy had been ill. We couldn't get him on, and we wanted him on. Um, and then we had a whole heap of other guests. So Whitfield Crane, um, Phil Campbell, Fast Eddie Clark, etc., were on it. Um, it ended up taking a long time. But with this one, it's been it's been recorded in the normal process. Process, you know, at the same time um, over over a period. And then um, Cameron Webb has mixed it again. Nice. So we've got we've got him doing that again. And it, it, it's not necessarily better or worse, but it, it's probably a more cohesive record because we did it all at the same time. You know, it was all, it all recorded over, over a period last summer, whereas the other one had been recorded over several years all around the world. 
Yeah. Uh, you know, and although I think we got a good result with, with how sort of cohesive the first album sounds, um, this one was done in the, in the traditional way. <laughs> <laughs> which, which is probably a bit of a relief at the same time. Definitely, because, I mean, it, it was taking so long, the, last, the first one. Um, so, yeah, it's great. And then, you know, we're already starting to thrash around a few ideas for the third record. Um, but what we'll tend to do, you know, in the, in the process is I'll have some bits and pieces that me and Wurzel have done. I'll bring them to Alex, who's our, our, our guitarist now, and we'd formulate that into a track, just as I'd have done with Wurzel. And then I'll do the lyrics on top, just as I, as I, I would have done with Wurzel. And that, that's how I prefer to work. Um, and again, I'm not suggesting that my lyrics are anything like Lemmy's, but of course, being a massive Motorfed fan, you know, you have your influences. And I've always liked sort of like wordplay and putting things in that don't mean anything to anyone, but they mean something to you. And then suddenly right. you find someone's taking it in a totally different direction than when you've got a song about something else that you never even imagined was the case. Um, so quite a lot of the time, there's little hints to little private jokes that me and Wurzel had. So that's sort of my um, keep trying to keep him alive because that's something that I'm I know and he knew and no one else knows. Yeah, right. Because um, Wurzel was very much one for um, little sayings. He'd like he'd have a little saying and then he'd suddenly say it and that'd be his favourite thing for that month and then he'd have another. <laughs> saying the following month and and they were great some fantastic little things which are great for lyrics because they're you know potentially got about 10 different meanings <laughs> usually when can we when can we expect i know you said later this year do you have a date yet or a title for the record yeah the, the, the app is called the screw tape letters which is basically based on book by c.s lewis yeah i, I remember you know. reading that so let me ask you a question then, because I read that when I was a kid, uh, yeah. growing up in like a religious setting. Is it is it like a religious sort of? Um, well, my dad was a priest. Just okay. As so that was a book that my father gave to me when I was a teenager. Um, and I really liked it. And because it's, um, you know, as you get, you've got a senior devil and a, and a junior devil yeah. writing letters back and forwards, it was a book that, although a lot of people know it, it's not sort of a like, C.S. Lewis's other stuff, like the Narnia Chronicles, it's not right. as famous as that. But it was a book that Wurzel had heard of, and we talked about it a few times, and I just quite liked the name. Um, yeah. And it meant something. So it was, a, it was sort of an unusual name, you know, rather than coming out with the typical sort of cliche heavy metal title, destruction and war right. type thing. I wanted to try and just have something a bit more quirky. Um, and... So, yeah, the album is definitely not a religious album at all. It's not in any way, shape or form. But um, it's, again, going back to this thing that I have a few things that um, maybe are like personal little comments we used to have or, or right. something like that. Okay. Chris? Uh, I don't have anything else. I'm just grateful for the conversation. <laughs> I've, got, I've got another one for you. So you spent some time in L.A. You did the record... Did you hang at the rainbow with Lemmy? Yeah, well, we'd be. I've been I knew it. To, um, we'd often meet up with LA, with with LA, with Lemmy at the rainbow, um, and you know I was lucky enough to go to a lot of the Motorhead rehearsals. So I actually was at um, the last ever Motorhead rehearsal in London before 
they went off to Europe before the last tour. Because um, he always hung out at that corner chair, right by the, uh, yeah, the by the yeah. machine. Yeah, that's right. And um, what was always great if it was a night that Lemmy was coming down and there was someone sitting in the chair, they'd phone ahead that Lemmy was on his way, and then the, whoever was sitting in that chair would be asked if they could just leave the chair, and then Lemmy would arrive. <laughs> Did they, yeah. Here's a question. Did they let Lemmy smoke in the Rainbow Room? Yeah, because in the bit outside, you can smoke. You can still smoke. So yeah. It was, it was in the sort of covered outside area. <laughs> so, yeah. So, smoke so, there. so I'll tell you a quick little story. I was a kid, or not a kid, but in my late teens, early 20s, maybe even a little later. But I went out there and went to the Rainbow as, you know, as a fan, just going to check. And sure as shit, ran into him. And he was the nicest guy. I'm like... I was probably this awkward kid, fan struck, and I was like, hey, I need a picture. He was all about it. No problem at all. Put down a cigarette, took the picture, all good. Yeah. Super guy. That's what he was like, you know. And even when he wasn't, um, you know, when he wasn't well, he'd still be signing stuff and, and doing things. And and with Lemmy, I mean, just my personal experience, I always found that because he was so knowledgeable on a lot of subjects, especially history, the Second World War, yeah. you know, the title and all that sort of thing. If you had something interesting you wanted to ask him or talk to him, and if, and if he liked you, you ended up talking to him for ages about all sorts of interesting things. So my, my grandfather was a, a fighter pilot in the Second World War. So Lemmy straight away asked me what squadron, and then suddenly he, he would tell me things that I knew anyway, but he'd suddenly know about my granddad's squadron. And you think, wow. you know, how do you know this? And, you know, Lemmy was, you know, interested in the Titanic and, I have a bit of a family story with the Titanic that one of my relatives was going to travel on it, bought a ticket, but got seriously ill before they went, so didn't go. So wow. some, some people in my family do still have the original ticket. And Lemmy was, really? Oh, you've got to send me a picture of that. You know, he really was interested in it. Um, and you had some amazing conversation with him, just talking about just about general things that he, he knew a lot about. I mean, he could have been a teacher, really. You know, he knew so much about history. I find Can you imagine a history teacher is Lemmy? Oh, that'd be awesome, wouldn't it? <laughs> you, you know, this this conversation is really eye-opening to me because I came, like, I'm a lot younger than Bruce. And, um, hey, hey, hey. Hey, sorry. And I didn't really know Motorhead. I didn't even know anything about them. Um, right. But the only thing I knew about was Lemmy and his his, like, persona of just being a complete partier, addicted to meth, alcoholic, smoker. I didn't know this side, you know, because I never knew any of that stuff. So this has really opened my eyes, you know, to how rock and roll images can be misconstrued a lot of times. Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I think... <laughs> Lemmy was what you saw is what you got, but he was exceptionally knowledgeable. He, he didn't suffer fools gladly. Um, I mean, for example, Wurzel always used to say me, to me, some of the things he missed um, about being in the band was sitting up late at night on the tour bus, having big in-depth discussions with Lemmy about UFOs, ghosts, you know, life after death, all of this right. sort of stuff. And he 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 loved that and I, I told that to Lemmy and Lemmy just sort of, you know you sort of raise his eyebrow I can't do the one eyebrow <laughs> and he'd go yes we used to talk about that you know and he was just so nice I mean on one of the times we were in the studio with him when we were having some some food 
I had literally eaten about a big meal about 30 minutes before. And Lemmy was going, Tim, you've got to eat. And I said, I have eaten. And he, I, he thought I was being a bit over polite <laughs> and um, being English and all, you know. <laughs> and um, so when the food arrived, he'd ordered me some food. I said, Lem, I'm fine. Honestly, I've literally just eaten a great big meal. So he goes, have a curly fry. You've got to have a – and he was passing all this food over. And I was like, I don't want it. And it was all getting a bit embarrassing because I, did, I really was full up. I couldn't eat anymore. But that's sort of how caring he was. He wanted to make sure that everyone was okay. And when we were in the studio, obviously, there were only a few people in there. So it wasn't sort of like there were a load of fans and hangers-on. It, it was it was just the people who were in there do, doing stuff. And, and we could probably maybe be a bit more, you know, relaxed. Um and he was absolutely fantastic. But one of the things he did was, as a bass player myself, which he obviously knew, he um, he was talking to me about bass guitars, and, and his um, his Rickenbackers were in the studio. Oh! So he said, "Want to have a go?" I said, "Do I? Of course I, have. Of course I do. Give them." <laughs> so he passed me over his, um, you know, his signature one with the oak leaves carving. And I was having a go on that, and it was so lovely. And he said, right, this is what I'm going to do. He said, I'm going to pass you a normal Rickenbacker, play that for a minute, and then when I say go, we're going to quickly swap back to the signature model. So he passes me the normal one, I'm playing it, and he goes, right, you ready? Three, two, one, go. And I give it to him, he passes me the other one. And the difference in weight, his signature model, was so light and so easy to play... And then he says, right, swap back, quick, whoosh, and we swap back just to see the difference. And it was unbelievable. So to have Lemmy there as almost acting like a teenage boy about which guitar was lighter and which was nicer, <laughs> was unbelievable for me, especially as a bass player, and he was a big inspiration to everything I've done. Um, and then it turned out that when we did Paradise Turned Into Dust, um, Lemmy put some bass down as well. Now, I played bass on it had played bass on it already so we kept both of the bass guitars so if i'm not mistaken i'm only one of two people ever to play bass with lemmy on a record um and the others mike inez um from allison chains who was on the kiss of death album wow mm -hmm. and then there's me and i i think that's it i don't think there's any other recordings of two bass players on a record wow with lemmy so for me, as being a sort of nine, ten-year-old motor fan who never grew out of them as such, was always a massive fan. That that was absolutely unbelievable for me. So let's bring it back to Leader of Down just before we wrap it up. Uh, yeah. you, you gave us a title. Do you have a release date at all? Yeah, it, it was. We were looking at the tail end of October. Um, that might be put back now because obviously the pandemic, and we won't, might not be able to play live. Um, so it may be early next year, but I'm hoping we can still get it out later on this year. Um, so is, is that records, um, Los Angeles label, um, there's 10 tracks on there and I'm, I'm, I love it. I'm really pleased with it. Is that the plan you're going to wait till you can actually tour before it can be released? Well, that's what the record company would prefer, but of course we don't know when that's going to be. So it right. may come out before we can play live again. Okay. And uh, Chris, you got anything else? I don't, man. Thank you so much for this conversation. It was really eye-opening, and I, I appreciate you taking the time, and, and I can't no, wait to right. hear the new record. Well, I'll get you. We'll send you a copy over. 
um, we'll, we'll get one sent out by the record company to you guys. Awesome. That'd be awesome. Tim, I can't believe we finally got to talk to each other after doing all this shit we've been doing for a year or so, but I hope we can do more. I enjoy working with you. You guys always put together such great stuff. So, Oh, that's cool. But just remember, don't eat any of my recipes. <laughs> <laughs> so I got to ask you, a lot of times I ask those silly questions on this show. I'll just pull a couple. What did you think when you were answering them? You probably thought I was a fucking retard, right? <laughs> no, no, no. I thought it was great. I like that sort of thing. And it's, we deliberately did it so that I didn't really know what was going to be said. Oh, good. Um, oh, I have to so watch this. Like, oh, oh, crumbs. Um, 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 and then you're a bit like <laughs> that. But no, no, it was fun. It was good fun. And I sent it to our record label, and they, they thought it was great. They really loved it. They said, love all that sort of stuff. Those things get those things get a lot of play. I mean, a lot of views on the site because people like to see a different side of the artist. Yes. Yeah. 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 I think what you're doing is great, and I, I think it's a brilliant idea. You know, and and, and I, I've enjoyed watching you know other people's stuff on your channel as well. It's been it's really good idea, and I think that's right. You know, you get something a bit silly, um, and, and we wait till you see the new cooking one we're going to do, and there's going to be a few different surprises. I was telling Chris before you got on that you've done you did that video and then these that stupid questions I sent you they're so funny and so many people watch them they're so popular. That's great. I love good, that. Good. Yeah, it's awesome. And you guys do a great oh, job. I'm so whatever you want, I'm happy to do more because we're not <laughs> doing right. a lot of them. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, man! I thank you so much for taking the time. Be well and stay safe. Same to you guys. Thank you very much, and we'll speak again. You got Cheers. it. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks, man. Bye. 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 Hi, this is Chad Nicefield. And this is Justin Press. We're the host of Making Waves, the Shiprock Podcast, a part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. We're inviting you to sail away with us on an epic journey in musical enlightenment. Every week, we bring you only the best artists in rock music and discuss everything from the cruise to the stage to the saga of being a professional recording artist. We'll have lots of special guests along the way, so tune in every week. Your stateroom is available every Monday morning, so welcome aboard.